episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to shout out any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. So welcome into this Bastards Roundtable episode. We're going to be talking some Red Sox prospect talk. We're also going to be talking some uh, Phillies general manager who made some moves at the deadline, unlike ours. But uh, before we get to that, let me introduce myself. I am your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight on the roundtable from Reading, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah, how are you? I'm a little sleepy, Jason. I have to let you know. I've been I, I thought it was a dumb idea to take three grad courses at one time. And I let one of my classes go and I basically have to do the entire course in one week. And I've been up at five AM every day this week doing grad work. So I am like this is gonna be a grind to get through this one because I'm like falling asleep, but I'm here and I'm ready to go. Hey, at least the Red Sox aren't out on the West Coast and starting at nine thirty. Because <laughs> then you'd be really screwed. <laughs> yeah, that but, would be rough. Right. Uh, but yeah, hey, we're we're happy to have you here nonetheless. Uh, also joining us tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, Terry Cushman. How's it going, Terry? Well, you say we live and die by this team, and I'm not disputing that. But I've been dying by this team most of the year. You know, it's just how it's been for me. Um, but all is well. We're going to talk about a very intriguing minor leaguer uh, this episode. And and then uh, a little bit of Dave Dombrowski in the second half. Yep. I'm, I'm sure some fans are dreading the, the Dave Dombrowski talk. But, hey, you know, when a guy pulls a, a rabbit out of the hat, we got to give him credit. Right? So This episode is not safe for the Bluminati. Just go find something to do. Nope. Yeah. NSFB. Not safe for Bluminati for sure. But uh, before we get to Davey Deals, let's talk about a certain Red Sox prospect who is absolutely tearing it up in Worcester right now. And he's getting some attention from pretty much all Red Sox media who are asking the question, should he be called up? Is it time to call him up? And we're talking about Sedan Rafaela, who actually just recently this year, made the jump from double-A to triple-A Worcester, and he's been tearing it up in Worcester, hitting over 300, has 11 home runs in just 33 games down there, um, absolutely mashing the ball. And this is a guy who a lot of people talked about as, yes, the defense is there. He's you know very versatile, can play the infield. They're kind of grooming him as an outfielder, but very good defensively. The question was always, is the bat going to show up? Well, the bat is showing up pretty fast, much faster than I think anybody expected. And let's face it, the Red Sox are in a spot right now where they're, you know, they're middling. They're still in it. They're not completely out of the wild card race yet. But that Toronto series did not do them any favors, really set them back quite a few paces. Now they're trying to gain some ground against the Royals, Tigers, Nationals, some of these really bad teams that are coming in. Um and the question has been raised, does Sedan Rafaela warrant a call-up to the big league club right now? Because your offense is struggling, and you could especially use another bat on the right side. So 
Does Rafael deserve a call-up? Where would you put him? Micah, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on potentially calling up Sedan Rafaela at this time of the year? The attention that he is getting is definitely deserved. Um, some might say, well, he's only played 33 games in AAA, but one, everybody has a different timetable when it comes to the minor leagues and prospects, but Rafael is a little bit of a unique case because he spent almost an entire calendar year at double a because he was in double a last year to end the year and then he was in double a this year um i think he had over 500 at bats in double a which is kind of unusual especially for a top prospect um but early on in double a this year the red sox were really telling him because the the big concern has been the control of the strike zone and his swing decisions that's always been an issue and the Red Sox have been telling him, or at least they were in the beginning of the year, like, don't swing at certain counts and don't, you know, only swing at certain pitches. Like, they were really trying to work on his pitch recognition. And then they slowly started to kind of take the training wheels off with him and let him go. And that's kind of when he took off. And he has been on a complete tear. The power, I think, has been super surprising because he only had six home runs in double A and he has 11. In I think 20 some less games, um, which is super impressive. He has a 22% K rate. And I think that will be the number, whether he comes up for a cup of coffee in September or next year, whenever he would get a chance, the K rate is going to be the statistic to follow because 22%, you definitely can live with that, especially if there's power in the defense. If it starts to creep up towards 30%, like we saw with Jaron Duran, Jeter Downs was over 35%, I think Dahlbeck was a, a strikeout concern. That's what you have to worry about. He has a 4.7 walk rate, um, which I like that number. I'd like to see that keep keep rising. But I'm super intrigued by this um, prospect. The question is, I just don't know where he fits right now. You know, the Red Sox decided Adam Duvall was not going to be a trade option. Um, so by keeping him, you now have – Yoshida, Duran, uh, Verdugo, Ref Snyder, and Duvall. That's five outfielders. I don't see how Rafaela really fits into the outfield. He can play shortstop and second base, although he does not have a lot of games in the minors at shortstop and second base. He's capable, but I think we've seen too many experiments in the middle infield this year to say, yeah, let's sign up for more experiments because – he just doesn't have the track record of, of being consistent in the infield. Um, but I suppose you could mix and match. He could play a game or two a week at second base, a game spelling Trevor Story at shortstop, and maybe a game or two a week in center field. That is a possibility, I suppose. I do think if the Red Sox were to call him up, he's a guy that has to play four or five, six times a week. There's no point of bringing him up for one or two times a week or, you know, pinch hitting roles, base running, uh, pinch running. He needs regular at-bats. And if he isn't going to be able to get that at the big league level, then keep him down in AAA and maybe call him up, you know, in September when the roster expands a little bit. But he definitely, his play has warranted all of these retweeting of his home runs in AAA and and the the articles written about him he's been a really interesting prospect and i'm i'm curious to see 
when the prospect rankings come out at the end of the year where he finds himself on those lists because I definitely think he's going to be a riser at the end of the year. Terry, what do you think about Rafaela potentially coming up? Do it. You know what? Do it. We've seen previously that prospects, especially in the second half of the season, can come up and inject life into an offense that needs a little bit of life. And a couple of ways you can do that if Turner has to go on the the injured list, he's expected to start Friday, but he was, he had an Ofer game Ofer four didn't look great previously in the Toronto series. So if he should need to go on the injured list, you moved Yoshida to DH and then that opens up a spot. Presumably you would slide Duran over to um, left field and, and then Rafaela, in center and Rafaela instantly from the word go becomes your best defensive outfielder. So there's, there's multi faceted reasons here to, to do it. Uh, if, if you don't want to put Turner on the injured list, then I'm fine with Duvall playing less. I mean, the dude had, I think a golden sombrero and if you're a casual baseball fan that listens to us and you're wondering what a golden sombrero is, it's not a good thing. Um, that That's what happens when you strike out four times in one game. So, um, yeah. So that that's what Duvall did pretty recently. Um, Duvall doesn't really help you defensively. He did have a decent series against uh, the Royals, but... I would still, I would still probably lean towards uh, bringing up Rafaela. Now, earlier in the year, Jaron Duran definitely did inject some life into the into the Red Sox, and arguably is probably a huge reason why we're in this playoff race right now. From all the doubles he hit, all and you know, half of those should have been singles, by the way. He turned them uh, into doubles with his speed. All the stolen bases late in games to get into scoring position. Man, you that type of energy can can really be a game changer. So I'm good for it. And then some of our more hardcore fans are going to be like, well, you're starting the clock on him. Yeah, you, you would be. But that's fine. I mean, we live in a time now where you have to extend these guys in year two or year three anyway. So who cares? You, you, if, if you're waiting until year five or six to, to extend them, guess what? You're paying top dollar and you went about it the wrong way. You know, they're always going to be more affordable contracts, more team-friendly contracts if you do it early. And we've got so many kids coming up. You got Meyer, who's probably going to be an extension candidate not too long from now. Um, you've got Nick York coming up. Maybe Blaze Jordan. We were talking about him off the air. Uh, Kyle Teal is already in, in high A right now due to his college background. So you can't extend everybody anyway, but I'm all for, for doing it. I'm all for doing it. And... Um, He's had plenty of time to cook down there, and he's cooking. So, 
Let, let's see if that translates to the big leagues. I think I'm also in favor of it. Um, and mostly because he's had time at AAA and he's proven that he can hit at the AAA level and hit really well. Because the one thing that always scares me about fast-tracking a prospect is I go back to Andrew Benatendi, who skipped AAA, went straight from AA to the majors, and I will forever think that that screwed up his development. I really do. Now, he had some good years early on in Boston, but you look at him now, I mean, he's, he's a singles hitter. That's it. He's a singles hitter who plays a decent left field. That's all he is. Now, I think part of what screwed up his development, too, is that the Red Sox tried to get more power out of him than they should have. They took an offseason. He did. It screwed up his mechanics. Then they told him to slim told him to bulk up down. He did. It still screwed him up. I think that they weren't sure what to make of him, but they called him up too early. They called him up in 2016, and that was different because 2016, they didn't have a left fielder. Brock Holt played more games in left field than anyone else that season before Ben Benintendi got called up. That was when you had um, Mookie in center and, or sorry, you had Mookie in right. You had Jackie Bradley in center. That was actually Jackie Bradley's best year when he had 26 homers, but you had, you know, Chris Young, Brock Holt. You had a, a lot of just different guys cycling through the outfield to the point where the Red Sox said, we got to fast track this kid. So, that was different because Benintendi skipped AAA. Rafaela has played 33 games there, and he's raking. To compare him to, you know, it's a dangerous comparison, I know. Mookie Betts only played 45 games in AAA before he was called up. And he had similar numbers to Rafaela. Actually, had hit for less power than Rafaela when he was in AAA. And the Red Sox called him up in 2014. So there is precedent to do it. My only concern is... They're grooming him to be a center fielder or an outfielder of some kind. So if you call him up and you say, hey, you got to play second base because that's where we have a need, does that screw him up? You know, like that, that's the part that worries me. You can't take one of your current outfielders and move him to second base. It's got to be Rafaela. And I just don't know if that's going to mess up his development at all. We saw that with Xander Bogarts early on when they called him up and they had him move to, to third base. And he had his worst season ever playing third base because some guys are just particular about where they play. Maybe Rafael is different. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he he will thrive at just getting the opportunity and getting the call up. I don't know. But for an offense that is struggling and could use, you know, a little bit of pop from the other side, you know, not just a left-handed hitter, why not? Why not give him a shot? You know, it, who knows what the corresponding move has to be. I think Justin Turner could use an IL stint, frankly. I, I think playing games with a 38-year-old who has a heel issue is a bad idea. Um, I think putting him on the IL and hoping that it heals quickly um, is the way to go. So why not do that? Stash him on the IL, call up Rafaela, and see what you got there. Who knows? Maybe he's a spark plug, and he comes up and he's – you know, he hits just as well as he's doing in AAA. Then all of a sudden, you've got an embarrassment of riches when Turner's off the IL because you've got this kid, Rafaela, that, well, can't send him down either. But by then, it's September. Rosters are expanded anyways. You don't have to. So I think now is actually a good time to do it. I know it's still mid-August. you still got three weeks. But 
you know, Justin Turner, I, I think that injury is way more serious than we're being told. I really do. And I don't anticipate him playing this weekend. Maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, for all I know, he could be in the lineup on Friday or Saturday, whatever. But I think he needs an IL stint. And if he does, Rafaela is the next logical, logical guy to call up and take his spot. Um, Terry, you mentioned the service time, like them starting the clock on him. I guess the only counter to starting the clock now would be with the new rules in the CBA. Um, if you, if a player starts from day one as a rookie and he plays the entire year, you get like a compensation pick, which is after the first or second round. So technically Rafaela could get them another high pick if he plays the entire year as a rookie in the big league. So, I mean, fans will say, ah, it's a compensation pick, but like, it is kind of a big deal if you can get another either f- late first round, second round pick type talent. That is a kind of that's kind of a a, a big deal and a, and a a big incentive to to keep Rafaela um, down before and not starting his clock before uh, next year or at least in September when it doesn't count towards his clock. But that's just something that um, the nerds will definitely say, "Don't start it now" um, because of something like that. But just interesting i forgot about that so that must be the counter move to um waiting three weeks uh at the start of the season because if you wait three weeks you gain an extra year of service time and there was a lot of controversy most notably with chris bryant uh as far as that goes the cubs he had this killer spring and the cubs sent him down for the three weeks and then called him up and uh scott boris threw a fit I believe the Orioles did it with Adley Rutschman as well. They brought him up sometime in May um, rather than break camp with him. And uh, I, I would be curious to see if those teams, now that the rules are in place where you could technically get a pick for playing a guy the entire year, if you really believe in that player, I think you would take the chance and say, we're better in April with him. And if we keep him all year, we can get another you know, top top tier talent draft pick. Well, and then going back to my original point, I mean, you're, you're gonna extend them anyway, hopefully early, like most competent GMs are going to do that. You know, we've seen it with Spencer Strider recently. He's a pitcher. So, you know, slightly different, but, um, I mean, the Mariners, uh, kid there, J rod, Another guy extended almost from the word go. I think he was a rookie and uh, signed that. But, but yeah, I'm all for it. Hey, fun fact, though. Uh, here is um, Raphael's full name. Um, it's five names. Sedan uh, Chipper Nicasio Marte Raffaella. There's a couple of names with some good pedigrees in there. Um, most notably Chipper. Um, so yeah, that's his full name. Another fun fact. He is from the same town and same country as Kenley Jansen, which I, I, I don't know if I can pronounce it. Caracau, Caracau, which is, uh, so. yeah. oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You said it so much better than me. Uh, <laughs> little, uh, Island off the coast of, uh, when is Venezuela, excuse me. 
I did know that much. Yep. But yeah, I mean, that's, and that's another reason why if you did call him up, he won't be completely out of his comfort zone. Kenley's a good veteran clubhouse guy. He'll sort of, you know, help him along and, you know, it won't be as intimidating. You know, I know it's not the kind of thing like everyone knows each other, but like having that sort of camaraderie can really help a young guy, especially if he's not expecting to be there or, he, you know, feels like he's not quite ready. You've got a veteran in that clubhouse who wants to win. You know, Jansen was one of those guys at the deadline saying, yeah, let's go. Like we, we want to win. We want to compete. So um, it's not completely ridiculous to consider. It, it's something that I know a lot of Red Sox fans say, no, no, be patient. You know, we're, we're waiting for 2024. We're waiting for 2025. Well, you don't have to, this kid's here and he looks like he's ready. Why not? Why not take the shot? Yeah, I think that with the trade deadline and the fact that the Red Sox, they could have technically sold, but they stood still and did nothing. If they would have sold, you know, Duvall, maybe Verdugo and Turner, like that would have opened up roster spots for Rafaela. And if you are really, if the plan all along was to really build for 24 and beyond, that would have definitely given Rafaela a good six, seven weeks, eight weeks of big league time at bats, valuable big league time. Cause we saw uh, Costas come up last year in September. And even though it kind of still continued into April and part of May this year, there's no doubt that that experience started, you know, his adjustment period and, you know, maybe he would still be struggling or he had to, would, he would have had to have gone down to triple a really. And, figure things out if he didn't come up last year in September. So I, the, the idea of them not selling could actually hurt them in the fact that now they just have to kind of wait and see on Rafaela in 2024 rather than 2023. Yeah. And why not call up now? You know, when you've got the tigers, the nationals coming up, you've got a little bit of a softer schedule in August. You do have the Yankees coming up Houston at the end of the month. Dodgers at the end of the month, but why not? I mean, at least call him up for the Detroit and Washington series. Give him six full games. See what he does against that crap pitching. And then, you know, the Yankees aren't anything special. We, you know, we always see the Yankees on the schedule and it's like, oh, here comes New York, but they're they're in no better shape than the Red Sox are right now. So I, I don't see any harm in it. Um, do I think they'll do it? Probably not, because again, like you said, Micah, they stood pat at the deadline. So Duvall's still here. They've still got too many outfielders. I don't think they're going to bench any of those guys to give Rafael playing time. And I don't think that they're willing to have him play second base full time. I, I, I don't. I, I think they really want him to be an outfielder. But he's uh, he's certainly pushing the envelope and, and certainly making a case. And I don't see why you can't give him the Tristan Casas treatment. Call him up, you know, get, get him a couple of weeks of, of major league at bats and then if you think that he's good enough to be your everyday center fielder starting next year, well, then there you go. That's that's how you that's how you sell it to the fan base, right? That's okay. Yeah, see, we had a plan. This kid's ready, and here comes the future. But whether or not it will happen, I just I don't know. I, I don't have high hopes, but certainly uh, going to be a guy to keep an eye on because he is tearing it up right now. Um, any final thoughts, Terry? Yeah. Um... Guess who's hitting 189 right now in the minors? Oof. 
In the minors? Yeah, for the Red Sox. Yu Shang. No. Marcelo Meyer. Marcelo Meyer at Ooh, double yep. A. Ouch. And he's on the injured list, I think, with a shoulder issue right now. But that was a little unsettling. I'm like, wow, 189. He was just utterly tearing it up uh, in Greenville, but uh, hit a bit of a snag. It's obviously, you know, just probably a blip. But um, I, I've been saying I, I think he'll be up second half next year. So I at least getting a little bit of pause uh, with my expectations there. Let me just grab his Greenville numbers. Uh, I'm not even in the right category. I should know. Why do you do that, Terry? Um, I think that's why the Luis Urias pickup, it was intriguing because if they can find a way to kind of turn his career around and he can provide the value that he gave to the Brewers, like it would it would ease the expectation on Meyer coming up next year because you would have Story at short. Um, Urias can play second base. I, I just like the Red Sox. If even if Urias isn't the guy, they're going to have to sign somebody for middle infield depth. That way, the fan base doesn't expect Meyer to come up and be Jesus, you know, in June. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, maybe one of the disciples at this point. Would be where you want to set the bar, but. Um... Urias, 0 for 8 in the last series. Greatest check swing of all time, though. Oh, yeah. Should have, should, <laughs> yes. should have been strike three and, uh, you know, helped win the game. So Greatest greatest and luckiest check <laughs> swing of all time. Yep. Got the One manager on ejected. That was, that was funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. So at the very least, uh, he's been a plus one in terms of winning games. So I guess I'll give him credit for that. But, uh, yeah, it's a fair point about Mayer. Like, he's going to have the Tristan Casas problem of, like, He's going to be deemed as the next savior once he's ready to come up. And I don't know, you know, he's, he's off to a slow start, but he's got plenty of time. So uh, we'll wait on him. We'll wait on Rafaela, I think as well, you know, we'll see what happens with him, but uh, all of this coming up because the Red Sox were inactive at the trade deadline, as we said, only, you know, added a couple of bum relievers uh, didn't really do anything else. But there was one general manager who did not sit on his hands, um, who decided to go out and make a deal. And that was our old friend, Dave Dombrowski, who acquired Michael Lorenzen from the Tigers for his number six prospect, uh, Hao Yu Lee. Um, and at the time, it was deemed as like, okay, it's an aggressive trade. You're giving up a number six for Michael Lorenzen, a pitcher who has kind of bounced around with Cincinnati for a little bit, never quite figured it out there. Uh, had a good year with the Tigers this season, which is why he was on the trade block. And he immediately goes to Philadelphia and doesn't just pitch well, but on Wednesday night, pitches a no-hitter for the Philadelphia Phillies, who are uh, once again trying to fight their way into the playoffs, the fighting Phils uh, alive once again. So, Terry, I'll lead off with you. I know you're a big Dombrowski guy. Um and I'm sure that you were thrilled once that no-hitter took place to see that. But uh, just your thoughts on him making another big move. And, uh, again, just people around this market not really wanting to talk about it. Yeah, so 
I take a lot of glee in Dombrowski's successes because, you know, the Bluminati gets a little upset. Um, he's really got a pretty good rotation going on right now. We know Aaron Noah has had his struggles as of late. I think it would be reasonable to expect he'll get that ship righted. Zach Wheeler, one of the best pitchers in, in Major League Baseball, um, you know, in the last four or five years anyway. And I, I want to say he was actually there before Dombrowski got there. Um, a very serviceable rotation. Ranger Suarez back from, a, I think, a shoulder problem earlier in the year. He's got an upper threes uh, ERA. So suddenly the, the fluke that we thought was the Phillies going to the World Series last year, not so fluky. And I it doesn't look like Dave Dombrowski has done anything glaringly wrong here uh, in, in his entire tenure. That Brandon Marsh trade, he's on the injured list right now, but that that worked out pretty good. A lot of people... A lot of people criticized him. I think was it was it Ohapi, the catcher? Is that who went in that deal? Yeah. So gave up a pretty good catching prospect, but you do have JT Real Muto. Uh, and then Marsh really he had a very good postseason last year and then a, a good start to this year before uh, you know, unfortunately getting hurt. Signed Trey Turner, who I think uh has had a rough summer, but um I think a better um, week recently, but I, I don't hate anything Dave Dombrowski has done in Philadelphia. That that contract there for Turner—that's the only super long-term deal. Four years for Schwarber. Sign me up. I, I was kind of hoping we would get in on that. Um, I've been the one huge uh, Nick Castellanos guy on this crew. Thought you know. He wouldn't have been a super great outfielder, but you hide him in left field where Manny played, where Manny sucked as an outfielder. And, you know, I think perennially, you know, Castellanos would, would hit you 30 to 40 bombs a year. And uh, especially, you know, being a right-handed hitter. So I, I just, I love what he's done. Uh, the farm system, interestingly, on Fangraphs, that's the only updated farm system rankings across the league that's out right now that I'm aware of. They have they have the Phillies farm at 18th. And the Phillies only gave up their number six prospect, who probably was never going to see the light of day anyway on that team. So props to Dombrowski. I might be rooting for the Phillies. They might be my team. They might be my team this October. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're a hard team to not root for. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I think they're a very likable team. And, and the cast of characters they have on there, and especially the division they play in with the Dumpster Fire Mets. And I think even though we're all impressed with what the Braves are doing, I think a lot of people want to see them get knocked down a few pegs. So, yeah, I, I don't blame you for that. Uh, Micah, what are your thoughts on what Dombrowski did at the deadline? There's a couple people on Twitter who think I worship Heimbloom and I hate Dave Dombrowski. And I, it's just, it makes me laugh because I'm by no means a 
Bloom hater, but I am definitely a Dave Dombrowski supporter. I think he definitely knows how to build a winning team. He he's done it everywhere he's gone. Um, so if you're in win now mode, Dave Dombrowski is a, a GM. You're definitely going to want because he's not afraid to sign a big contract. He's not afraid to trade. And if you look at a lot of the deals he made with the Red Sox, he won almost every single one of those trade deals. So maybe he knows something that, you know, the analytic department, uh, you know, people don't know because his trades haven't turned out that bad. They've been mainly wins, but this Phillies team is dangerous. I think the Lorenzen deal just, if they have an injury to their rotation, it's not a concern. If somebody needs uh, to skip a start, they have plenty of guys now in the rotation. It's going to give them the opportunity to either use Lorenzen or Taiwan Walker or another starter in the bullpen potentially um, towards the end of the year and in October. I, I love this Phillies team. And the, the scary thing is, Terry, you said Trey Turner, is, he's had a brutal year. What if Trey Turner gets hot? Like then the Philadelphia Phillies go from being a good team to a dangerous team or a great team. Um, Bryce Harper, he's had a good year in terms of his average and his RBIs, but I think he only has six home runs. What if he starts getting back to the home run hitter? JT Realmuto is actually, if you look at his uh, weighted runs created plus, which is just basically a, a, an offensive stat that it's kind of like OPS, like 100 is, is average. He's been below average this year as an offensive catcher, which you would never expect that. So they are in a great position. And some of their top talent hasn't really performed the way that you would probably think. So I, I still think there's room for the Phillies to get even better. And I have no issues with dealing Dave Dombrowski. I think he is, he's a smart GM. Um, I do think he, I know you said the Phillies um, farm system is 18th. But he does tend to leave teams in a in a tough spot. The Detroit Tigers still have not rebounded from them going for it. For, you know, back when they had Verlander and Scherzer and all those guys, the Red Sox system was thirtieth in twenty nineteen. So, like, he has a history of leaving farm systems kind of bare. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact that he can build winning teams. And if I'm a Philly fan right now, I'm loving life because. They're competitive, and they have as good of a chance as anybody to represent the National League in the World Series again. Yeah, I've I've said it before. It's a little bit of a crass uh, way to put it, but I've said that Dave Dombrowski is the booty call of general managers because <laughs> you don't want you don't want Dave Dombrowski for any more than five years. That that's it. You want him to come in, build a winning team, hopefully get a championship out of it. And then you want to ship him out of town. The Tigers did it. The Red Sox did it. The Phillies will do it in a couple of years. That said, his moves are not bad. Like that Lorenzen trade, you gave up your number six prospect. Okay. I mean, so for Red Sox fans, that would be the equivalent of giving up Nick York, which is a little bit tough because Nick York projects as a future second baseman. Right now, the second base position for the Red Sox is in flux. It's up in the air. So a lot of Red Sox fans would tell you, well, screw that. We're not giving up Nick York. I'm glad that he's not here to do that. But what if it's one of the 18 million shortstops you have? 
in your top prospect rankings? What if it was one of them and you get, you know, a guy who I think Lorenzen ultimately is a number three, but he's pitching his ass off this year. He's having the best year of his career. You're telling me that wouldn't help this Red Sox team right now. So the moves he makes, they do make sense a lot of times. Now the one area I'll disagree with, you know, the Kyle Schwarber deal. uh, No, thank you. Kyle Schwarber's hitting 189 this year. He has 30 home runs, but he's hitting 189 and he's a butcher in the field. And you can only conceivably play him at first base, DH, or left field. So would you rather have Schwarber over Casas, Justin Turner, or Yoshida? That's no, 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 in my mind. So I'm okay that they didn't bring back Schwarber. It was definitely frustrating in April and May when Casas wasn't hitting because that's the easy thing to do is say, okay, well, if we had signed Schwarber, we'd have a professional hitter. Yeah, he's not great at first base, but he can at least hack it over there like Hanley did and whatever, um, and he'll hit bombs. But Costas has turned into the real deal. So I'm glad that, you know, we didn't make that move. Um, and by the way, for all you Red Sox fans who hate Dave Dombrowski, some of your favorite players, in fact, almost all of them, were Dave Dombrowski signings or draft picks. Like Brian Bayo, Dave Dombrowski signing. Tristan Costas, Dombrowski draft pick. Um, Jaron Duran. Jaron Duran, Dave Dombrowski. Yeah, like, you know, it's the list goes on. There's more after that. So you can hate on him all you want, but he can identify talent. Yes, he generally leaves farm systems worse off after he's done, but he does identify talent and he knows how to build winning teams. The Phillies were a wild card team and they went to the World Series. So it just, that's not a fluke. That's he knows how to build winning ball clubs. Now, will they do it this year? I, I have my doubts, you know, the Lorenzen trade definitely helps them, but I don't think it puts them over the top in the national league, but they're going to compete. They're going to be right there. And that's more than we can say for the Red Sox right now, who, you know, had an important series against the blue Jays and crapped their pants. And they're barely hanging on against teams like the Kansas city Royals. So, And that's because your GM has turned into the DFA king where he just picks up bum relievers and then brings them in for an inning or two. They get lit up and he goes, oh, yeah, no, that guy didn't work. Okay, toss him out the window, too. That's all he does. Just brings in bum relievers. He didn't make any impact moves when he could have. So, no, Dombrowski gets a lot of hate around here, particularly from the, the severe bloom crowd. But he's a good GM. He's good at what he does. The formula is it's always been the same. Build a build a winner, trade away some prospects. Yep, the farm system rankings are gonna drop. I know that's terrifying to think about for the Bluminati. Oh no, we're not top ten in Fangraph's prospect rankings. What will we do? But I don't know. He gets to go to the World Series. What have you done since 2018? You went to the ALCS, which, you know, kind of fake, because we all knew you were gonna lose anyway. So I don't know. In a way, Dombrowski does it. You know, it it's, it's different. It's, it's against, I think, what a lot of GMs would like to do, but it works. So how can you hate on the guy? So I don't think he's really done much damage to this Phillies farm system. He's got four prospects in the top 100 right now. This was going into the season, so... 
they'll all update here pretty quick once all the post-draft analysis finally gets done. But you get that Andrew Painter kid who I – did he have Tommy John? He did, yes. Okay, so he'll be out for a little while, but still a, a relatively high-end guy. Then they have another – uh, right-handed pitcher named Mick Abel. I'm not familiar with him, but he's ranked number 49 in all of Major League Baseball. And then you, you do have to kind of get down to the uh, lower part of the top 100, but they got a kid named Justin Crawford uh, in A-ball right now. He's an outfielder. And then I want to say this might be someone they either drafted last year or this year. Aiden Miller is a third baseman. He's in rookie ball right now, so that's pretty good. Dave's got four really decent prospects in the top 100 and hasn't traded them away. Another thing I I love about Dombrowski is he doesn't go in and just try to get rid of all the other regime's guys. I mean, when he showed up, he was just trying to add right away. I mean, you had uh, Xander Bogarts. You know, as your shortstop by that point, you had Mookie Betts, who uh, nearly won an MVP in Dave Dombrowski's first year in Boston. Um, who am I forgetting? Devers wasn't up quite yet. Oh, Pedroia, I mean, still a second baseman at the time. He didn't. He didn't try to. He didn't try to do anything. He just wanted to add, add, add. Unfortunately, we got my least favorite Red Sox player of all time right away, David Price. Um, traded for sale. Got Craig Kimbrell, who, by the way, is his current closer. And pitching very well in, in the Phillies. If you told me, if you, you go back five years... In the moment Alex Cora picked Chris Sale to pitch that final inning over Craig Kimbrell, if you told me not only is Craig Kimbrell going to be pretty solid, but he's going to be pitching for a World Series contender in five years, and he's going to be their closer, I'd be like, you're nuts. The guy who they didn't trust to finish it out against the Dodgers, man, I, I just... It's it's hard to hate Dave Dombrowski. And there was never, you never had to try to read between the lines. He just unequivocally came out and said, this is what we're looking for this winter, and I'm going to try to get that. And he always did. And same way at the deadline. Uh, okay, so we need, uh, we need to platoon with Mitch Moreland now that Haley's gone. Let me introduce you to Steve Pierce. By the way, the 2018 World Series MVP destroyed the Yankees all year, too. That was fun. Um, so I, I just I love that. And then when you look at this Mike Lorenzen thing, like he he truly outsmarted everybody. He, he could have went and got it would have been the like the most Dave Dombrowski move ever to go get Scherzer, who he had in Detroit uh, or Verlander, who he had in Detroit. But he's like, you know what? I think we can get a serviceable guy, not give up quite as much, and and we'll go get Lorenzen. Why couldn't the Red Sox do that? Why couldn't why couldn't Lorenzen have pitched the no hitter at Fenway instead of Philadelphia? That's why Dave Dombrowski is better than Hein Bloom. That's why Dave Dombrowski has two rings. 
didn't get one in Detroit. Came damn close, but um, but man, I just there's I didn't think I was gonna miss Dave Dombrowski as much as I do. I really and and when he got fired, I thought it was the right move. I thought it was the right move because the sale contract was already starting to look not so great. He hadn't had Tommy John yet, but you figured it was coming. Nathan Avaldi, right away, that contract. He had to have a minor elbow surgery in the middle of 2019 to get rid of some bone chips. He he definitely it, it, it wasn't the farm system that that you know that made me glad he, he was ultimately fired. It, it was the unsustainable contracts. And like I said, the only super long-term contract he has signed is Trey Turner. Harper was already there and I'm good with signing guys for four or five years. That's what I want my GM to do. You know, I I'd much rather get the Schwarbers and the Castellanos than, you know, some of those super high price guys and, <clears throat> I, I, I hope Dave Dombrowski wins the World Series. It would be something. Yeah, it would really be something. And from what I remember, too, and maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, we never had the pissing match between Dombrowski and whoever the manager was, like we do now. So that was another bonus of uh, his time here. Micah, any final thoughts on Davey Dombrowski? Yeah, I was just going to say, I really think he took advantage of the market because the one thing, the one aspect of the trade deadline, it, it felt like the rental starting pitchers, there was a, a that was the only position that was kind of saturated. Everything else was like, you might be able to get one or two of guys that were available on the market, but there were a lot of starting pitchers that were rentals that were available. Lorenzen, Flaherty, Lynn, Montgomery, even Erod, if he would have, um, he could have potentially been a rental. Rich Hill, I think, I know he's a lesser version, but like there were plenty of options and he went out and got one of those when probably the Dodgers could have used um, a starting pitcher over the Phillies and the Red Sox definitely could have. So I just think he... In terms of building a winning team, I think he runs circles around 25 of the other GMs around the league. Like, I just, he knows what he's doing. And if Red Sox fans truly don't respect what he did, I just, that drives me nuts. Like, yeah, I, I'm not in favor of firing Heimblum, but that by no means am I a Dombrowski hater. I, I just, I think he did a fantastic job. And, Personally, if you gave me the option to say, hey, Dave, you want to come back to Boston now? I would probably take that bet and I would say, come on, Dave, let's, the core is here. Uh, they have financial flexibility. They have a top three farm system, according to fan graphs. I would say, let's run with that and you build a team in five years and, and uh, here you go. Here's the keys because the team he built in 2018, that might be the greatest Red Sox team I ever see in my entire life. And he did that. He built it. And I think every Red Sox fan should be thankful that they had a chance to witness that 2018 team. Yeah, it's the two are not mutually exclusive. You can have respect and you can like what High and Bloom is doing right now and also respect and admire what Dave Dombrowski did. You know, at least bringing the championship here, obviously, as Terry highlighted, like, 
the sale extension, bad move. The Evaldi contract for one year, it worked out, but for the most part, not a great move, kind of financially hamstrung them a little bit. Um, not all of his moves were perfect, but he built you a winner. He brought you a trophy. So, you know, and it, it didn't take him very long. I am Bloom's in year four. We're nowhere near a trophy. So you can respect the process of Bloom. And, and look, I, I'm with you, Mike. I'm not fire Bloom right now. I, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of teetering. I'm, I'm a little bit more annoyed with him after the deadline, but I'm not full on fire him yet. But it's I also, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's growing on me. Yeah. The idea is growing on me, particularly that deadline was just such a joke. It, it just really set me off and, and contrasting that with Dombrowski, just going out, getting the guy he needed, you know, immediately producing results and just sort of sticking his nose at the rest of the baseball world. It was like, okay, like, you know, like we said, we could have made that move, but he decided not to. I'm telling you, we're getting Zach Davies this winter. That's that's the bloom. That's the bloom eight million dollar contract. You know, it's a ceremonial thing. Here you go, kid. You won't be in the rotation by June. But um I I want to say this other thing about Dombrowski. 2019 Dave Dombrowski probably overpays for Nola and instantly regrets it. He gave him a five-year deal, a semi-low ball offer. It was for $100 million, so $20 million per, and that's it. And guess who's not going to be pitching for the Phillies next year? Aaron Nola. He, yep. At this point, why would you? He hasn't been pitching well, and there's other guys out there. So um, I, I think this is a different Dombrowski. And, and last thing I'll say is it'll piss off Red Sox ownership as well to to see Dave Dombrowski go, you know, all the way. We never finished worse than third place with Dombrowski. We never did. We won the division every year, and then his final year here, we finished third. He got fired. Uh, we've been in last just about every time, and the one year we weren't in last was because we still had a, a big core of Dave Dombrowski guys that, uh, you know, pitch pretty well, uh, you know, in that postseason. Yeah, it, it's fair, though. Like, you could pretty much pencil it in. Whoever the oldest, most washed-up pitcher is on the free agent market this offseason is going to get a $10 million check from High and Bloom to be the number five back-end starter or a bulk guy or a swing man, as we heard, with uh, Kluber and Garrett Richards and all those guys. And it just... Never worked. Meanwhile, Dave Dombrowski is going to get himself frontline starters. But, hey, that's the way it goes. So we'll see how Philly does. It's, you know, it's going to be an interesting race over there. Um, you know, we'll see how Lorenzen does down the stretch, but already looking like a good ad for them. So Davey does it again. You know, another another big move from him at the deadline and feels like he really helped his team. So, uh, but over here we've got, the Stampat Red Sox, who are going to hopefully take care of the Tigers this weekend. God knows if they actually will. Um, so, hope you all enjoy that series. Uh, the weekend crew will have you guys Monday morning. They will recap that Detroit Tigers series. And we'll be back with you guys next week for the Washington Nationals series, I believe. Which, that should be another doozy. So, everyone take care until then. We'll talk to you later.